currently working on a really, really interesting project, more of which I hope to share um, in another podcast. But our work in recent days with the management team, we were discussing personas of buyers and trying to work out the path of least resistance to reach decision makers in this particular sector, in this particular product and service that we're selling into this sector. And when you take a look at the different people that could potentially be involved in the decision-making process or the buying cycle, there are quite a few people from the CEO or the business owner or the CFO or the COO or the head of procurement, if there is one, or the the head of, let's say, sustainability um, or an influencer or a consultant or the end user, and you're trying to work out which is best, who's best to speak to. Sometimes we can spend a disproportionate amount of time talking to the one person who turns out to be the wrong person. And when you realize that, the game is over. And with all of the personalities and, I want to say ego, but it's not really what I mean, but let's say egos that are involved, you can offend and annoy people simply by talking to the wrong person at the wrong time or out of turn. And it made me think a lot about Edward de Bono and his theory of the six hats. Because when I went to college to study marketing, it was about target audiences and about clusters and segments. And the word persona um, kind of comes from the antiquities, which Latin for Latin and derived from Greek for literally meaning mask or a character played by an actor. I kind of like that reference or the idea that it will be an actor, but I think in the buying process and when you're trying to determine a decision maker, these people are very real. And I referred to De Bono, who died very recently. He died, I think, maybe two years ago, two or three years ago, and he had created this um, concept or methodology of the six thinking hats, which was really a way to look at decisions from different perspectives, which in turn would allow for a more comprehensive view of the problem that you're trying to deal with. And so say, for example, you have six people um, around a boardroom table and you're pretty sure that if you speak to one of them, you may actually just be able to make progress by speaking to the accountant or the finance director because they're they're in charge of the purse strings, right? So they'll be able to dictate budget. And as we know, budget is one of those things that's really important to determine when you're doing your diagnostics and sales. But if you consider all of the work that a finance officer has to deal with just on, on, let's say, the normal working day and you're thinking about... um, Budgeting is probably one of the things that they're doing, along with a whole host of other things that are grabbing and fighting for time. And if they're fighting for time and you're coming up with a new idea, the easiest thing for the CFO is to say, look, not not now, but thanks very much. And your really, really good relationship or that door that was open for you didn't really work out. And you've got a, a CFO that's in charge of financial strategy, budgeting, financial reporting, cl- cash flow management, capital structure, 
investment, risk management, regulations and regulatory compliance, stakeholder communication, tax strategy, internal controls, part of the team leadership, operational efficiency, financial forecasting, external relationships, managing the team that he has, living his own life, etc, etc, etc. So you bring a brilliant idea out of left field and it lands on his desk and it just so happens to be that he's preparing for the annual monthly board meeting or he's got a meeting with his team or they have to find cash for another competing project that completely just ruins any chance you've had. And so a lot of time needs to be spent determining who you should speak to. People often say, just make sure it's the C-level. Get to speak to the CEO and the CEO will be able to help leverage their position at the top of the tree. But the CEO has got to look after other things as well. Maybe he's also preparing for the board meeting and it lands on his desk. They're looking for vision, strategy, decision-making. They're overseeing the operations. They're ultimately responsible for the overall financial health of the organization. They're driving culture and leadership, stakeholder communication, external relations, innovation and growth, risk management, talent management, workforce strategy. Or actually, they just maybe think that, hang on a second, I'm paying people to make those decisions. And they pass your document further down the line, and it doesn't get any further than the next person who also in turn suffers from the same problems. And so that bit of prospecting that I'm fairly confident, I repeat myself a lot when I say this, is arguably the most important important part of the sales process. Because ultimately a bad pitch made to the right decision maker is going to land better than a brilliant pitch to the wrong one. And so if you consider De Bono um, and his six hats, so method is a way to look at the different decisions from a number of important perspectives. So if you're thinking of a CEO, you can apply the six hats to the CEO. And the six hats are white, red, black, yellow, green, blue. And the white represents neutral, objective or factual thinking. Red hat symbolizes emotions, feelings and intuition. Black stands for critical judgment, caution potential problems and roadblocks. The yellow hat represents optimism and the more positive side of things. Green symbolizes creativity and new ideas and blue represents the control uh, and organization of the thinking process. So let's consider a neutral idea. Let's consider offering flexible working time or working from home at work, okay? So the discussion point is basically, right now everybody works nine to five in the office. There's a survey we have done and we've read external reports suggesting that people working from home, it works better for everyone to discuss. And so you put on the red hat and you've got your emotions and the feelings. And what you're looking at is basically the employees are probably going to feel a whole lot happier and less stressed about about working if they can be flexible and work from home. Um, There's a great opportunity for a better work-life balance for people and everybody be really happy and they're probably going to make greater contributions to their overall work, be more efficient, etc, etc. Put your black hat on and then you're looking at the a more cautious uh, approach with a focus on the potential problems. So the idea could bring up maybe that, that working from home could mean people will be washing dishes and cutting the grass and sunbathing as and when and they can put that down to needing moments of creativity or they can have extended lunch breaks or they can cut work early. And so you're looking at the negative side of that. The yellow side would be the positive benefits of that. And so you're looking at the improvement of job satisfaction 
and how people will be more energized and there will be a greater relationship between employer and employee and you'll be able to get more out of those people as and when you really need to leverage um, that relationship. The green hat then comes from a creative perspective and then you start talking about maybe trialing a period of flexible working hours, um, some people on, some people off, put uh, a vote to, to the staff, ask them how they feel, put in a, a trial period, so on and so forth. And then finally, the blue hat works out, how could this be implemented? How could it be controlled and how could it be organized internally? So you're putting a more of an administrative perspective on it. And so rather having a yes or no, kind of a yes is a good idea from the staff and no it's a bad idea from management, what you have is a probably a more balanced perspective of the, the problem or the opportunity as it sits. So you apply that to sales pitch. And the first thing that I'm minded off is planning. So if you're really gonna do that in the sales pitch, where do you get your time to do that? If you're pitching for a small, medium or high ticket B2B project and you want to win it, you could argue that it's probably not worth putting that effort in um, unless there's a big reward at the end. But you could also argue that it's important to get into a workable process that you can rinse and repeat again and again and again that will improve your conversion rate because ultimately all the hard work at the top end of the funnel is designed to get more bang for your buck at the narrow end of the funnel so the question would be why are you not implementing something like this rather than should you it's a uh, other methodologies are at play but it's one of those that will make you sit and think if you sit and think of visualize the work that a CEO does or a, whatever you're trying to sell if you're trying to sell service or you're selling a product you know how what would happen if you alienated the end user so we're talking about C-level decision makers and you're talking about um, a site manager or a production manager who's immediately going to say no this won't work because his life is thrown into turmoil because he hates change and so you address all the business needs, you're able to apply a return on investment, you've got case studies coming out of your ears, the social proof, you can do site visits with other existing customers, but the guy who's gonna have to manage this is thinking my life is gonna be in turmoil and I'm not gonna do this, and you can't afford not to have him on site. Then how do you target that person and keep the capped off to the hierarchy that would be probably a little bit annoyed that you didn't speak to them first and so it goes and so it goes definitely worth thinking about um de bono is uh as i say one of one methodology you know even if you sat down and created personas all day long that's great but you have to sit inside that persona and maybe that's where the acting takes place maybe that's where you have to sit back and take a look and think what would it be like if i was about to receive a phone call from someone in my team what would they what, what, would, what would be my expectation would be would i be expecting to hear an expert so then all of a sudden you're into the narrative and the questioning technique and the level of competency in terms of conversation and then you're talking about um a whole bunch of other disciplines that need to be addressed so it's really a fundamental part of any sales approach that you have for whatever you're selling 
if you're listening to this as a sales exec, as a business owner, or as someone sits around the boardroom table once a month to try and explain why you're doing so well or why things are a little bit tight. Thanks for listening, and um, we'll talk to you soon.